JoeBertigan.com. This is an on-the-record segment. This one presented to you by Ken Sports with locations in Green Bay and Kakana. And I'm here with a legendary driver who is still racing. Normally we keep the on-the-record segments for retired drivers, but this guy, is, it's too good to pass up this opportunity. He's known as the Franklin Flyer, Bill Preetzel. Glad to have you on board. Uh, how old are you now these days, uh, or how young are you, I should say? Uh, still, still behind the wheel. For 68 years, either young or old, depending on which day of the week it is. And you don't show any signs of slowing down at all, do you? You know, it's been a fun ride so far. I don't know how long we'll race. We're not stopping yet. Um, Jan and I have a good conversation every spring when we go to the racetrack, and I says, when I start getting in people's way, then it's probably time to stop racing. Probably one of the most versatile drivers that I've known in terms of not only the surfaces run both dirt and asphalt, but divisions as well. Talk about how this whole racing thing started for you down in the Milwaukee area. When and where? I imagine Hales Corners is part of that conversation. It started in 1973 at Hales Corners in the Sportsman's. Um, I built my first Sportsman's car. It was uh, something we thought was really good, and we absolutely knew nothing about the cars, so we didn't do much anything. Um, it took me three years before I made my first feature at Hales Corners, but I did happen to win my very first race at Hales Corners, so I got lucky with a six-lap bonus heat race way at the end of the night. Well, as a kid, I grew up reading Hales Corners or, uh, results in the Midwest Racing News. The sportsman class, you talk about loaded. I mean, how tough was it to make a feature back then in that class? You're talking 40, 50 cars plus in that class, correct? You're way short on the car count. I thought I was. In, 70, in 73 and 74, we had Thursday night shows at Hales Corners for sportsmen's only, and they had 120 cars most of those Thursday night shows in one division, which was sportsmen's. But that's every suburb around Milwaukee, every gas station, there was a race car in the corner. That's kind of what the scene was, right? Exactly. I mean, you drive down the street, and if you had, had three gas stations on a corner, all three of them seemed to have a race car. And I lived a half a block away from a gas station. They had the race car there. And across the street, the guy had another race car. So just, they were everywhere at the time. Unfortunately, that's long gone. So the sportsman days, you eventually, I got to know you when I started announcing at Seymour in the early 80s in the half mile. When did the late model thing all start for, for Bill Preetzel? It started in 1980. Um, Bob and Tony Zyder owned concrete racing, and Mike Melius was their driver. And they built a new car in 79 for Mike, and halfway through the season, they built another new car for Mike. And the first one sat by Randerson until the middle of 1980, and they were trying to sell it and couldn't sell it, so they asked me if I wanted to drive it to get it back on the track just so they could sell it. That's how the whole deal started. So the dirt late model scene in the early 80s, the bodies kind of got crazy, uh, like the, with the wedges, the big spoilers. Talk about what it was like driving a car like that with all that, that much spoiler. When I talked to Pete Parker, he said it was kind of like UFOs. He said they were real hard on tires because there was so much bite. Uh, what was it like from your perspective racing one of those things? Well, I was lucky enough to start with a small body car, and after 85 about, they got rid of the wedge car, so we went back to the small body car. So I, went, I was lucky enough to be in the whole transition period, and we went from 6-inch spoilers to 8-inch spoilers to 18-inch spoilers to 6-foot sideboards. And the, the downforce wasn't near as much as the side force that helped. Sure. Um, I'm not so sure the straightaway speeds were a lot faster, right. but the cornering speed was tremendously faster because the sideboards made such a difference. They were fun to drive. Um, you know, I raced plenty with Pete. Um, you know, and he's right. You know, they were hard on tires. I think they were harder on motors. Right. 
So talk about Hills Corner Speedway. I had the privilege of announcing some races there with Tom Clipple, God rest his soul. Early 90s, we had a challenge series with the Chilton Grand Nationals and the Hills Sportsman. What are some of your fondest memories of Hills Corner Speedway? The people. The people and the, and the fans and the friends you made at the racetrack. I mean, Hales have been gone since 03, but it's still, quote, my home track. Um, it's just, you grew up there and you knew everybody. Yes. And you might have had problems on the track, but the uh, big old tree out front, I mean, you sit out there at 1 or 2 in the morning and... Yeah, there was some uh, liquid libation, as they say. <laughs> um, you didn't hold a grudge. I mean, now it seems like people, you know, if they have a problem, they roll the car in the trailer, disappear, come back next week, and they're mad. Right. We never had that. No. Um, you've been, a, like I said, a very diverse driver. Um, I also got to you know, know you well uh, through my friend Gary Verkaudern in the Mid-American Stock Car Series, which you supported for a lot of years and still do to this day. Talk about what the Mid-American Series did for you and your ability to race at a lot of tracks, and they weren't all they weren't all ovals either, were they? No, we did um, a bunch of road course racing with Madame. We did a couple dirt races with Madame, and in the early 90s, um, got to the point where I knew the dirt late model scene was getting more expensive, and yes. all racing is expensive. We know that, but it was just to the point where I thought I just didn't want to spend that kind of money anymore. Right. And I sat in on the Madame meeting in '92 in the Green Bay auction. Yep and seen what Gary was doing and like I've told a million the story a million times you know I left that meeting and I called Larry Richards and I said build me a mid-am car I want to go race mid-am series and that's uh, that took off from there um, a very affordable car and your ratio of what you had invested in the car versus the payoff was a lot better than a late model at that time correct oh tremendously much um, I'm, I'm sure back then and, and you know the cars are more expensive now because Obviously, 25 years later, everything's more expensive. Yes. But the mid-amp car is still a very inexpensive way to go racing compared to most types of series. And I hope the series comes back stronger again. There's a new owner now, and he's been making a lot of noise so far, which I think is good. I mean, Gary was phenomenal in, in promotions of what he did. I mean, without without Gary doing what he did. And even if, even at Kalkana for a lot of years, Gary was so instrumental. Um, Gary was a superb promoter, in my opinion. I'm, I, I learned a lot from Gary Ricardo myself. You can lay claim to say that you actually ran a NASCAR race. I believe it was 2012 in Xfinity. Tell us about that story and what, what that was like. Uh, one of the neatest things I ever did, no question about it. Um, got to race with uh, Xfinity Series at Road America. And uh, the experience I got, and you meet so many different people. And you get educated as to what it really takes if you want to go into that division. Sure. As far as NASCAR, I mean, it's it's cubic dollars. There's no doubt about it. Sure. But it was still a neat thing to do one time. You're playing with the modified these days, in addition to your Mid American, uh, teaming up with uh, Bill Tendetsky. And you had you you were in Florida recently racing those things. You brought a knife to a gunfight, from what it sounds like, right? <laughs> yeah, we went down there under under prepared. I shouldn't say under prepared, under car prepared as far as equipment. So. Yeah, we were we were behind the eight ball all weekend there, but you know we didn't wreck anything. We started 31st, we finished 14th, missed missed all the wrecks and passed a few cars. So to us, it was a really good deal because we were we didn't have the classic car they had. Out of all the racing you've done and your accomplishments, what are you most proud of, or what was the most fun era or different car to drive in your career as you look back on it now? I think the the wedge car dirt late models was still probably the most fun. Um, tremendously fast and 
if the car was set up close, they were really, really easy to drive because air, the downforce was so good and the air force was so good on it. It's, it's probably, like a, probably like a sprint car, which I've never driven with a wing on it. Right. I think if they get them close, you know, the car kind of half drives itself. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody let me try it someday. I don't know. Real quick, you know, I'm writing my next book about uh, MJ McBride, Pete Parker, and Cherry Anderlin. Got any good Pete Parker stories for me? Because I know you did score off with them on occasion, right? I raced against all those guys many, many times. Yes. All good racers. Um, I think the best Pete Parker story I can tell is from Jacksonville, Florida. The first year we went down there in 1981. And, um, I was actually at that race. I was in sixth grade. That was my first time in Florida. So honestly, I'm not kidding you. So I, I saw you guys run. Yeah, and, and Pete's, Pete's a wonderful friend of mine. I mean, oh, yeah. I, whenever I see Pete at the racetrack, we still talk. And we get there, and I think myself and one other car were the only two cars that had screens in the front of the car by the windshield area. And uh, kind of picking on Pete a little bit. I said, Pete, I said, if, you know, if a car loses a drive shaft, it comes in the car. He says, that's not going to be very good. And Pete says, I'll just chew it up and spit it out. <laughs> As I can just imagine Pete saying that. Uh, Bill Pretzel, the Franklin Flyer, he is a good guy. Uh, 2021, what are the racing plans for Bill Pretzel? Modified, mid-am. I'd like to do a couple of road course races with a road course car, but only so many weekends, and uh, we're not getting younger. Any tracks on your bucket list that you uh, still have on your plate that you'd like to tackle? There's definitely one. I've said it for years. I'll probably never get there, but I would love to go to Laguna Seca and run Laguna Seca. Sure, sure. Well, I tell you, you can catch him at a racetrack somewhere across the country in 2021. Bill Pretzel, it's been an honor, and thanks for your time. It's been enjoyable, Joe. Thank you.